0: All right. Well, well, see, I made the mistake of walking in there without my wife. And everybody's asked me, where's Elaine? where's Elaine? Where's Elaine? Where's Elaine? Is Elaine coming? Never ask me about me. You know. But one of the reasons we want to do that is to get to know each other. And you'll never know who you're working next to. And you'll never know if somebody else has a position or a job who can help you. And that's what's important, is that you're able to be able to meet other people that God has placed in certain places, and they may be able to help you. Or you may be able to help them. You never know who God is going to sit you with. You may be sitting with someone who owns their own business and looking for a worker. You never know. Build your resources in the body of Christ. Build those resources. And understand something, God wants us to be part of the whole body, not separate, but part of the whole. Amen? Amen. And uh, Faith gave me something, because this coming Saturday, a special missionary speaker this Saturday, April 23rd, at uh, Kingsway Alliance Church, lunch is provided, and uh, if you can sign up, I think Faith has a sign-up sheet back there in the back. Sign up and go get a free lunch. Uh, it's so good. Well, this is Resurrection Sunday. And what does that mean, Resurrection Sunday? And how does the resurrection have anything to do with the rapture and the second coming? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your loving kindness unto us. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come and sit at your feet. And, Lord, we want to hear from you. Would you take all eyes off of me and somehow, Lord, plug them into the Holy Spirit that they might hear him? Would you allow each heart to be open to what he will say? And would you minister to them? And Lord, we're here to grow together. We're here, Lord, to praise your name together. We're here to honor you, O God. And as we learn how to honor you, your word tells us that you will honor us. And Lord, we thank you for keeping your hands upon us. For he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until we see Christ face to face. And, Lord, we thank you that we are your workmanship, and we're being molded and shaped by you. So, Lord, take your word this morning. Oh, God, deliver it to every one of our hearts. Cause us, oh, God, to have to wrestle with it and to continue to search it out to see if it would be so. And, Lord, again, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord that you never force us to sit at your feet. But we have come to a place where we love to sit and hear your word, to be challenged by you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, blot everything else out, that, Lord, that our attention is fully given to you. And thank you, Lord, for putting it on our hearts that we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when the rapture takes place, everybody's not going. Everybody in the church isn't going that's just in the physical church. But all those who are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and are in him, they're going. But we need to understand, what is it that stops some of us from going? What is it that stops us from living the life that the Lord would have us to live? Do you understand that you can believe and why you believe you don't believe? You believe, but you don't believe. You got a lot of people saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. while all the time they don't believe in Jesus Christ. You got a lot of people that know the right religious things to say. But do they really believe it? What do these two events have in common? The resurrection and the rapture. What do they have in common? Both are difficult to believe in. They have that in common. Both of them are out of the rationale or the reasoning process of the human mind. Before Jesus came forth from the grave, that had never happened before. But yet Jesus is saying to his disciples, believe, believe that on the third day I'm going to come forth from the grave. Believe that. And I imagine some of them thought, "Uh, you know, he's kind of off on this one. He's on with his healing. He's on with his walking on water. We've seen that. Uh, He's on in doing certain miracles and so forth. Now this man talking about He's going to come forth from the grave. Even those at the cross mocked him. They said, didn't, they heal? didn't he heal this person? Didn't he do that? Didn't he raise Lazarus? But guess what he can't do? He can't save himself. can't save himself. And yet, he's the one who's declaring and saying, in three days, I'm going to come forth from the grave. Now understand this. Without the scripture, the word of God, validation on these two events, we wouldn't believe them. But scripture validates them. Scripture says the resurrection would happen. Scripture says the rapture will happen. They are binding under the word of God. They're binding under the word of God. Therefore, the resurrection had to occur in order for the rapture to occur. If there was no resurrection, there would be no expectation of the rapture taking place or the second coming of Christ taking place. But here comes our dilemma. Do you really believe in the resurrection? Or do you just state it because it's stated in the Bible? But you really don't believe it. There's a lot of Christians who say that they're Christians that do not believe in the resurrection. And they wonder why they have no power in their life. Because the one that they say that they're believing in that they don't believe in really has no power to do anything in their life. But if you truly believe in the resurrection and you hold to it that Jesus is alive, that's an effect on your life. It's an effect on your life. If you really believe in the resurrection there can be no rapture without a risen Savior. But because there is a risen Savior, there is a rapture. Now, if Satan can keep humanity from believing in the resurrection, if Satan can cause us not to give thought that Jesus Christ is alive today, this very moment, there will never be a thought given to the rapture. And when we don't think about the rapture or a second coming, it don't matter how we live. Because there's nothing that's going to happen anyhow. Nothing's going to take place anyhow. And a lot of us use religion just to be good. It's the proper thing to do. So we're just religious. But we really don't believe what we say that we believe. Now, Jesus told his disciples he would rise in three days. The question is did they believe it? Their actions demonstrate at first they didn't believe it. They went in hiding behind locked doors. Isn't it strange? When the first ones, maybe that should have been to the tomb, should have been the men. Who were the first ones there? Isn't this still yet strange today? Oftentimes, the first ones at church is who. And where's the man? We're still lagging behind. And we got to come to a place where we understand what Scripture is saying to us. Jesus told him in three days that he would come forth from the grave. But boy, now I want to give you this illustration with Thomas in John chapter 20. Thomas believed in Jesus and then he didn't believe Jesus. Why Jesus was there with him, and why Jesus was feeding them the five thousand, the four thousand, while Jesus was going around doing the healings and so forth. Thomas was right there with him. But when Thomas couldn't see him, and Thomas really believed that he was dead, that changed Thomas's perspective and attitude. So, we see something that takes place here with this Thomas. And sometimes we miss it. So in verse 24 through 29, kind of follow along with me. It says, now Thomas called Didymus one of the twelve. So it identifies him. He's one of the apostles. He's one of the twelve. He's one of the disciples. He's he's one of the ones that heard Jesus say that in three days I will come forth from the grave. Heard it. Didn't believe it. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When Jesus came the first time when they were behind the locked doors, Thomas wasn't there. The scripture tells us that. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, guess what? These are friends. These running buddies. These are the ones you go out to lunch with, have coffee with. And yet, you don't believe them. Never asked the question, well, when have any of these lied to me? And now all of a sudden they're lying or not telling you the truth? We've seen him. But I want you to look at the hardness of a heart. Even though mom and dad may say, this is what it should be, I don't believe it. Even though this one says, I don't believe it. Listen to what Thomas says here. He says, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. I will not believe it. And a lot of people choose not to believe it simply because someone else said it to them. But it's truth. Thomas believed that Jesus was. He did exist in his miracles, but he couldn't get to that point where he would believe Jesus came forth from the grave unless he himself could touch his hands and see the marks in his hands and put his hand in his side where the sword, where the spear pierced him. And he makes it very clear. I love you guys, but I don't believe you. I love you. Nice having coffee with you, having lunch with you, discussing things with you, but I don't believe you. And he goes on. He says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. And through the door, and though the door was locked, though the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger in here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. When you see a Christian that's not living as a Christian ought to live, there's doubt somewhere in their life. There's unbelief in their life. There's a mistrusting of the Lord in their life. And Jesus says to all of us, stop your doubting. Stop your doubting. Stop your doubting and believe. It's in the believing in Jesus Christ we are set free. And he says, stop doubting. Doubting what? Doubting me. Stop doubting me. Because that's where the doubt is placed on the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, stop doubting me. Trust me. Now, he goes a little further here because he's going to add a blessing for those who will believe later. He said, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now he believes. Because he's seen with his own eyes. He's touched with his own hands, in a sense, or had the opportunity to do so. And then 29, he says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, you and I, we haven't seen it. There's many things in Scripture we haven't seen. But we believe it by faith. We believe it by faith, not by faith. What we see, for we are a people who walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't have to be seen for us to believe it. It just has to be read. And guess what? Satan is keeping us out of this book. And faith comes by what? Hearing the word. If you're out of the word and you're not under the word, you're not really believing, you just have your own made-up belief system. That's what you're trusting in. You're not really trusting in the Word of God. You're trusting in what you think is right. But if you had to prove that what you're thinking is right according to Scripture, could you do it? And if you couldn't do it, then it's your own made up philosophy about God. Now, like the disciples, We are asked to believe that Jesus is risen in order to believe the rapture and the second coming is going to take place. They're going to take place because of what took place with the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's no rapture. If there's no rapture, there's no judgment seat of Christ. If there's no judgment seat of Christ, there's no second coming. If there's no second coming, there's no white throne judgment seat. You can just go down the list and you can keep adding things in that if the resurrection is false, and that's why Paul says that it, we should be most people who are pitied for believing such a vain or empty type of teaching. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5:2. 15:2. 2, 2. 1 Corinthians 15:2. Listen to what Paul's going to say. By this gospel. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold what? Firmly. If you don't be moved from it. If you're moved from it, there's a doubt if you're really saved. He said you hold firm to it. You stay with it. You don't lose sight of it. You hold on to it. You believe it above all else. You stand firmly. And today a lot of people don't stand firmly. Why? They really don't know what they believe. But when you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can stand firmly upon his word. And you can say what Jesus said unto Satan in the desert. It is written. And because it is written, it is God breathed, it's God's word. And God says heaven and earth may pass away, but not one jot of my word will pass away. Why? That word is eternal because God is eternal and God is the one who spoke it. And he goes on just a little bit further here. Look in verse 4. I'm sorry, let's finish verse 2. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you, otherwise you have believed in what? In vain. If you don't hold on, then you what? You have believed in vain. Your belief is really empty. It's really getting you nowhere. It's not really helping you at all. You have believed in vain. And you can say, I believe, I believe. But the question is this. What is your believing getting you in life? What is it profiting you to walk with the Lord in life? Drop on down into verse 4 here now. This again is to what Paul says. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. According to what? The scriptures. Not something that he just came up with. But to fulfill the scriptures. And he simply says, uh, yes, that he was buried. What does that mean? He died. He died. And he was buried. Now, the unusual part about that is simply this. He rose from the dead. Now, I want you to hang on to that because that's important when we get over to Thessalonians. That Jesus rose from the dead. For that is the baseline in believing in the resurrection that you're going to experience at some point. That's the baseline for you to believe. And it and goes on in that 4. He says that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scripture. To what God has already said. Now go to verse 17 in that chapter 15. Go to verse 17. Listen, listen again what Paul saying. Because This is the kind of people we are if none of this is true. Now, none of us can prove that Jesus exists. If somebody really asks you, show me, prove it to me, you really can't do it. All you can do is give them what the Word says. And because you give them what the Word says doesn't mean that they will believe it. Why? It takes the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God to convict the heart of God that that person might believe what Scripture is saying. And without the Holy Spirit, all you're talking is just talking in the wind. It takes the Holy Spirit. And see, the church today, we're missing that. We can't do the work of the Holy Spirit, but what we can do is allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to do his work. So in that verse 17 and 15, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, Your faith is fruitful. It's worthless. It's worthless. What we're believing in is worthless. What we're doing here this morning is just a waste of time. We might be be like a thousand other people out here that we've seen this morning, either walking the street or going here or going there. For some reason, this day does not hold any significance for thousands and thousands of people. It's just another day. But for the Christian, it ought to have meaning. Meaning. A sincere meaning. My Savior came forth from the grave. Everything he said is true because he came forth from the grave. And he goes on, he says, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is brutal. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. There's the Thessalonian church that we're going to look at for a little bit. four. What do you do with those who went before us? What happens to them? And Paul has to answer that. And he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied. If we have hope in Christ, so we're believing in something that is not true, we should be pitied by the rest of the world. But because it's true, because it's true, it's been an amazing life. Let me just throw this little commercial in. If none of this is true, when I compare my life with a life of a number of men who I either grew up with or I just know, I have enjoyed life with one wife, Three children, I have had a wonderful, 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 wonderful life. And a peace of mind. So even though this is not real, my life has been wonderful believing in this. Now, what makes it real? The only reason we got 56 years together is because of the Lord. Is because of the Lord. We were out eating, and this young couple who was eating next to us after we got up, the young lady asked us, how long have you two been married? And we said, 56 years. She said, How? Simple answer. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. See, what he has done personally in my life has persuaded this person that he is really real and he lives. What he does in your life personally, that's why we call it a personal relationship, because it's between you and who? And you know If he's real or not. And you haven't experienced him. You're just out here in La La Land somewhere. Doing your thing. With something that you say you believe. While you're not believing it. Now. Go to Luke 24. 1 through 11. Luke 24. And. I want you to still see men doubting. They believe, but yet they doubt. We're in that process too. We believe, but yet we doubt. And somewhere the doubting has to disappear. In 24, in verse 1, he says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb." They found the stones rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were wondering about this suddenly two men in clothes and gleamed like light like lightning stood before them in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead why do you do what Look for what? The living. What are they proclaiming? Jesus is what? Alive. He's alive. He's living. His work isn't finished yet. It's just starting. Because he has the rapture to go through. He got the judgment seat of Christ to go through. He got the supper to go with his disciples and those that gather with him. He got to come back the second time. He has to run through the millennium period for a thousand years in which he rules. And then he has the white throne judgment, which he's going to judge all those who are outside of Christ and who did not die in Christ. His work is just beginning. And it says, why look? for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Then look what he says to him. Remember, remember how he told you. Remember when you were reading scripture, what it said, but you doubted? Remember what scripture says, but you won't do it? Remember what scripture is directing you to do, but you don't really want to believe it? He said, remember, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. But they had to be what? Reminded. Then they remembered his words. Why? had to be reminded. You know one of the reasons we gather together? is to remind ourselves of the Word of God. We help refresh each other. We help renew each other. None of us know what's going on sometime in another person's life. But when we get together and we quote scripture and we talk about the Lord... We kind of renew the faith. We kind of build each other up. We're kind of encouraging each other. That's why he tells us, don't forsake the gathering of one another. Why? We need it. We need it. Then he says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and mother of James, and the others with them. Who told this to the apostles. Now, no, wait a minute. You're telling the apostles. The apostles were told by Jesus. Wouldn't you think if Jesus told me that he was going to rise on the third day, should I be sitting at home or should I be at the tomb? Should I be out on the golf course or should I be at the tomb? Should I be doing something else because the football game's on, the basketball game is on, or should I be at the tomb? See, what's the priority? What's the priority here? And the men missed it. And he says, "But they did not what believe." But they did not believe. They heard it. They're being reminded about it. But they really didn't believe. That's a lot of people today. They say with their mouth they believe. But listen to what Jesus says over oh, there in Matthew seven, Their hearts were where at? Far from him. They believed, but they w- were not willing to follow. They believed. Even though they did some of the works and they did this and they did that, they did all that for selfish reasons. And he says, I know you not. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like what? Nonsense. Somebody then came forth from the grave the one who is dead is not alive. That's nonsense. See? Did Roger or Roscoe go before me? And one of y'all tell me, and Bob tell me, well, Roger showed up last night. He, we sat alongside the bed. I'm going I'm to very quickly get a doctor. See? Jesus told them what he was going to do. In three days, he's going to come forth from the grave. They didn't believe it. Yet they believed him as long as they could, what, see him, walk with him, feed the 5,000, the 4,000, go across the lake in the storm, come up, and they're in the boat with him. I mean, they believe, but yet they did not believe. Are you believing and not believing And they said, this is nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away. Now, listen to this scripture because it's powerful here. He went away wondering in himself what had happened. Well, wait a minute, Peter. You've been told what was going to happen. Don't have to wonder about that. Don't have to try to figure it out and guess about it. But yet, he sees it empty and he's wondering what happened here. Well, you've been told that Jesus is going to come forth from the grave in three days. Why wonder about it? Why not just simply believe it? How many of us read scripture and then we wonder if it can happen? We wonder, should I believe this? We wonder Can I trust in it? And Peter walked away wondering, what happened? Would he already been told what what was going to take place? He's already been told. Now, go to 1 Thessalonians. Here is the catching up or the rapture. That we're looking to take place. But I want you to hear what Paul says this hinges on. And that's what's important to catch in this. And this is where the two somewhat tie together the resurrection, the rapture. Understanding one can't take place without the other. Now, come down into verse 13. It says, brothers, we do not want you to be what? Ignorant is just a lack of knowledge. Something's lacking. They lacked having understanding what happened to the people who preceded them in death. But because they lacked knowledge, it was hurting them. Keep your finger here, because we're going to come right back to it. Go over to 1 John. Chapter 3 and verse 3. Because we need to understand what knowledge and how it has an effect upon us and what it can do in our life. Remember he said you're ignorant. Most Christians go through failure in life because of ignorance of the word of God. They go through failure because of their own disbelief. Not that God doesn't want to help them through it and guide them through it. Look what he says in verse 3. Get these eyes focused here. Everyone who has this hope, what hope? That Jesus is coming. That Jesus was raised from the grave. That Jesus is alive. Everyone who has this hope in him does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, by believing this, it keeps me cleaning myself in a sense. It purifies me with that thought that Jesus is alive and he can come any moment. It keeps me out of certain things. It keeps me away from certain things because I have that thought that Jesus could come right now. You remove that thought. Well, I'm on this, and I'm I'm going through this study. The word lawlessness. And I was in a study with with, with a man, and I asked him, I said, now, I want you to think of something. What makes a woman powerful? it didn't take him no time to say, the law. The law. They'll have you locked up real quick. In my mind, I'm saying, oh, you didn't experience it. (laughs) But he said, what makes a woman powerful is the law, because the law backs them and protects them. I said, now, think with me for a moment. If there's no law, and there's lawlessness. What happens to the woman? Well, I can do anything I want to her. And he was right in his answer. Because there's no law. And God has already described, she's the weaker, what? Vessel. See? When a ruler really hits, rascal, he don't hit that. See? He knows it's just a love tap. See? The whole issue is this here. We know which one's the strongest one. But oftentimes what restrain us is some law, and what restrains the Christian man is the Holy Spirit who dwells, who's implying then the word of God that your wife is like the bride of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the church, and that he'll do no harm to his church and we do no harm to our bride. get back to the study here real quick y'all can drop your change in this thing as you go out for that one but he says again boy the ignorance the ignorance is what keeps us from victorious living and then he says about those who are fallen asleep or those who are dead in Christ that's where their thought is at what happened to those people who died before us? And then Paul says, We do not grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For our hope is in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus died. Now listen, here comes scripture again. We believe, and underline that we, because Paul says, In a sense, I'm not alone in this belief. I'm not standing by myself saying what I believe. We believe. A group of us believe this. He says, we believe. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or have died in him. We believe that because he was brought forth from the dead. That God is going to bring all those who will gather at the rapture. God will bring their bodies forth from the grave to be reunited with their souls and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 14, he says, I'll come again and receive you, what? Unto myself, receive you unto myself, that where I am you will be also. And he says, we believe. And the question is, do you believe in the resurrection? Because this is based on the resurrection if there's going to be a rapture. There's no rapture without the resurrection. And it's the resurrection that guarantees the believer there's going to be a rapture that takes place. Very quickly here. We believe that Jesus died in a row. Do you really believe that? And because you believe that, how do you live? You can tell yourself if you really believe it or not by the way you live. If you can go through a whole day without a thought about Jesus, then you really don't believe in Jesus. Because Paul said, boy, we believe we believe. And because they believed in the rapture, they were able to believe in the rapture. Because they believed in the resurrection, they were able to believe in the rapture. But if you don't really believe and you're second guessing whether Jesus is real or Jesus has come forth from the grave or that Jesus is in heaven making intercession for it or that you're troubled. How's he going to come back? And you can't figure it all out. He says, do you believe? That's the crucial question. Do you really believe? Because the results of your believing is what gives you then the understanding of those who have gone before you and who have died In Jesus. And that's an important word. Everybody doesn't die in Jesus. The only people that are going to come forth from the grave when Jesus comes to meet us in the air are those who have died in Jesus. The others stay in the grave. Only those who have died in Jesus come forth from the grave and their bodies those who are alive those bodies are changed in the twinkling of an eye that they can go up and meet the Lord yes the soul when Paul says "Absent from the body present with the Lord the soul goes to heaven the body goes to the grave but it's going to be reunited that soul in which the body houses will be reunited with a new body a different body that dwelled with here on earth. And we will forever be with the Lord. Amen? I hope, as you have said, this is a good resurrection. This is a resurrection day. But how many of you are really looking for that? And Jesus is the example to us that it can really happen because it happened to him. Father, would you remove all doubt? Would you bring us, Lord, to a place that we totally surrender to you? And whatever it is that stands in our way, from being 100% persuaded, That you're coming again. Would you remove it? Whatever it is that keeps us from walking closer to you, would you remove it? You are the risen Savior. And you're the only one who can rescue us, you're the only one who can deliver us from ourself. Would you do so? that we may not be like a doubting Thomas, that we might not be like a Peter wondering how this happens or how this will work, but that we would simply believe you and trust you that is going to take place. That one day, Lord, if you decide to come, For no man knows the day or the hour. But Lord, on that day, may it be that we are looking forward to you. May it be, O God, that our hearts and our minds long for you. May it be, O God, that we want to walk closer to you, live with you, walk in your steps, O Lord. Oh God, do whatever you have to do in us and through us to draw us closer to thee. And Lord, we'll give you praise and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.